Okay, guys, go ahead and turn your Bibles. There's really only one place that you'll be today. We'll be in a handful of spots, but I'll get there before you can. Um, I have everything kind of marked off. I'm not going to have you flipping all over the place, but I do want you to see every word that I read from Revelation. So go ahead and turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 2. We're going to be in chapter 2, chapter 3. We'll be all over the place there, and, and I'll read you some scripture from other places, but I want you to see the Scripture in Revelation especially, so make sure you go ahead and find yourself there in your Bible. So for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we are going to have a roundtable family discussion on the importance of the church. And so yes, it will be a sermon, and yes, we will build off one another, and, and I'll be doing the majority of the talking, okay? But with that being said, this won't be like normal series. This will be a moment where we reiterate why we have the church, the importance of the church, and what we need to be doing moving forward in your local church. So we're going to be talking about what Scripture says about the overarching view of God's people being the church, but we're probably going to spend most of the time looking at the local church, which is where you are today. So if you are not a member here, this still applies to you. Um, this still applies to what the beautiful gift of the church is and what Scripture says about it and the type of church that you're called to. And if you're a long-standing member of this church and you go, Hunter, I, I know what the church is about. I know why we do this. Um, I fully believe that you can never hear it enough. And so that's where we're going to be for the next three weeks, just a beautiful gift of what God says is his local church. So as you flip in your Bibles to Revelation 2, we'll get there in one second. We'll start us off with looking about where we came from. So last week, if you were here with us during our study in Nahum, the, the Old Testament minor prophet, um, we asked the question in Nahum 3 last week, how does one go from revival to wrath, right? Like how does one go from life to death in just 100 years? A small period of time, how do you go from the entire city or maybe this country or your family or a faithful individual, like how do you go from literally following the Lord and you are alive and you are strong and you are faithful to a few generations to completely dead and experiencing God's wrath? How is that possible? Well, we gave many examples that even though it might be um, frustrating or curious to see how someone could find themselves in that sp position coming from a strong foundation, but we see how it's possible in the high majority of our lives. We talked about this country and we just made the statement of, are we one nation under God? We like to say that, and it's titled and coined on a lot of different things, but literally in 2021 is the United States, are we one nation under God? It'd be hard to say that with full confidence. We talked about how the family and how the family has literally been done a 180 and flip-flopped the views of marriage and what it means to be a man and a woman and raise children. And the family views are very different than how they used to be, very much different from the last hundred years. We talked about the schools. And then lastly, we talked about the church. Now hear me, when it comes to the church, we are called to learn and to remember so that we do not repeat. So we said, all of us have seen this story play out. I'd probably say the high majority in this room have experienced this at some point in your life. 
You remember the church that you were a part of and it was on fire and you were growing and the youth group was phenomenal and we were doing missions and the singing was great and then you go back to it or you've never left it and you've seen this church just go from strong and faithful to just watered down and watered down and watered down and now it's not even the church you remember or maybe you've seen it from a distance this happened. You've heard stories from your parents about how today's church was not the church of yesterday. We seen this and I turn, told you to turn your Bibles to Revelation. This is the scripture we read of last week which we're going to build upon this week. Look at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2. This is a church that had so many strengths. We're going to read about the strengths but this is what God says in their falling away from him. Look at verses 4 and 5. We read these last week as well. Nevertheless, God says, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You have forgotten why you even do any of this, the Lord says. Verse 5, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, where you were, remember where you were, but now you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly And I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. God says through John in the last book of God's word, remember. Remember the foundation. Remember why you gather. Remember your faithful heritage and how we spoke last week in just a few bobbled batons. We see a church that in the future from this, sure enough, did lose their lampstand. Now, as a church, I was speaking to a a good friend of mine as he asked, where are you going to be preaching this Sunday? And I told him, listen to me, especially if you are a member here and you are faithful and, and serving and moving in the midst of Eastview, I believe that these three weeks that we're going to be in should happen every year, almost verbatim. To the point 10 years from now, when I do this again, I want all of you to be like, okay, Hunter, I've heard this. I've heard this illustration. I remember this scripture. I could preach this sermon for you, Hunter. That's where I want you. I fully want you to be so ingrained of why we come together, the importance of the church, what God's views are the church, and how we need to stay on a course to make sure we don't fall. I believe this should happen every single year from your pastor to the church in whatever church you belong to. How to sustain growing and sustaining a healthy church. How to sustain any type of strength is just as important and essential as knowing how to grow it. Go deep. Go deep. Dig through the Bible, learn the Hebrew, understand the Greek, go deep into books of the Bible, dive into Nahum and all of these books, but do not forget how to swim. Do not under, don't forget and, and lack your memory of the basics of what keeps this alive as a body. I fully believe that we need to be taught and fully see the importance of things such as giving financially when giving is good. I don't believe that you need to be hit on the head every time with a giving message when, man, you guys need to start giving. It needs to be preached when things are healthy. I think you need to be preached and taught the importance of serving in your local church when the high majority is doing so. 
I think we need to be reminded on a weekly basis the beautiful gift of the gospel, even though you know it by heart. Even though this church is strong in so many different areas, it is essential for our future that we reiterate and we press home how we got here and how to sustain it. Now that we are growing Eastview, how do we sustain this? I believe that Eastview, your church, has so many strengths in amazing ways that I've never experienced in my life. I believe that you are a part of a church with sound, bold teaching from all the way up to everywhere, from our kids to our nursery to our deacons. I believe that you see sound teaching that has led to collective growth. And when I say collective growth, I can't tell you how many conversations that I personally have myself with people throughout the week, families and women and children and men that are just saying, man, things are making sense and I'm growing, I'm understanding. That's rare. I believe that we have strengths in our strong men. Rare. I believe we have strength in our family serving together, rare. I believe that we have strengths in our cross-generational love for one another, rare. You're seeing our seniors love our young people and our young people love our seniors. That's rare in a church, guys. I believe that we have a high buy-in to the lifestyle approach to the local body. I'll tell you what that means. Brad Douglas and I talk about this a lot. If you are looking for a place to float, and there's a lot of floating churches, and what a floating local church is, is, hey, listen, I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna show up on Sunday morning for 45 minutes to an hour, have no connectedness to them, but I'm gonna show up because I don't wanna feel awful about myself, but I'm not gonna drop an anchor. I'm not gonna plug in. I'm not gonna serve. I'm gonna be a ghost. This is not the church for you. It does not work out. We have lost very few people here at this church, but from my standpoint and my interaction with people, the individuals that want to float are not happy here, and I'm okay with this. This is a family lifestyle approach. My friends are here. My family is here. My time outside of Sunday is here. This is my family, and for the people who love this church It is their family too. That is a strength and that is rare. I believe we see strength in God's favor upon these few. There's obvious provisions. We have had weaknesses. We have had deficits. We have had shortcomings. And we just constantly see God pour gifts and people and blessings upon this church. But hear me. Continuing and sustaining anything great Anything strong, anything worthwhile begins with the full knowledge and acceptance and awareness that disaster is not above you. That anything that is gained can be just as quickly lost. Now look at the strengths of the church in Ephesus that we read a second ago. This is a phenomenal church that we should all desire to be a part of. Look at their strengths. Look at Revelations 2, 2 through 3. Revelation 2, 2 through 3. It says, I know your works. And when the Lord says, I know your works to these seven churches, what he's basically saying is, I know your heart. I know what you do. I know who you are. It says, your labor, your patience, 
and that you cannot bear those who are evil. That's a great quality, right? And you have tested those who say that they are apostles and they're not, and you have found them liars. Once again, great attribute of this church. You have persevered and have patience, and you have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Out of all of the seven churches in Revelation 1, 2, and 3, the church of Ephesus probably has some of the most foundational strengths that as a church that we should desire. Their day-to-day checks and balances are probably stronger than any of the other seven churches, even the faithful one in Philadelphia. They did all of the Monday through Sunday things really well. They knew God's word. They focused on teaching. They rebuked false teachers and they served in their labor. What in the world could be better than this? They are the total package type church. They went deep and they were consistent and they forgot how to swim. They forgot how to swim and they lost sight of why they came together in the beginning. They lost their first love. They lost the reality of why they came together as a church in general. The people of Ephesus literally became roommates with their Savior. We see this in so many different walks of life. We see this in so many relationships and there's a very few that are greater than the idea of marriage. Technically, for so many of us, and this is not to make you feel bad because I think myself and all of the people here have tasted this in some form or fashion at points, but we're called out of it. In marriage, there's been times where technically you're doing everything right. You're raising kids and you're loving those kids and you're paying all the bills. You bought the house, you bought the car, you're taking them to soccer practice. You go to the beach at least one time a year. Like on paper, you are a good family. But there's that moment where you look at your significant other and you go, man, she just doesn't look at me the way she used to. Man, on paper, we're doing everything right. We don't scream and we don't curse at one another. We can stand being in the same room. But man, the intimacy and the affection and the love and the desire and the, the passion, the love for one another is just not there anymore. Hear me. It is healthy. It is healthy from your walk to your marriage, to your family, to your church. It is healthy to realize that you are not above divorce. You are not above addiction. You are not above falling. You are not above bringing harm to God's church. I don't care who you are. Do you know when it comes to the church, do you know who I think could potentially bring the most disaster to this phenomenal church we call Eastview? And the answer is the people that are sitting in this room, including your pastor. I think the people who sit here and they sing and they serve and they love and they want this church to survive. I believe that disaster, including me, is in all of us. The people of Ephesus did not see themselves falling. If anything, they were building a foundation that was strong for the long haul, but even that church fell. So when there is something like a marriage, like your family, like your church that is precious and you love, what is the first thing that we need to do? This is what we're going to be talking about this morning. When it comes to growing 
in sustaining, protecting your church, what is the first and most important thing we should do? And that is to understand and remember and never forget why we gather. Why do we do this before preaching and before youth and before music and buildings and missions before any of this, why does the local church even exist? Listen to these three verses. Matthew 6, says, Seek first, seek first above all other things the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. This is scripture where Jesus is talking about all the things that matter, but they all hang on making much of God. Proverbs 16, three says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. I love this verse in John three thirty, He must increase, but for him to increase, we must decrease. Biblically, for my kids here that don't know why you do this on Sunday, eyes on me. Biblically, there are many reasons you come to church your local church. There's reasons that you got dressed in the midst of your weekend to come here and your parents bring you on Wednesday night and you go to small group. There's many reasons. We see that the church exists so you and I could be fed and our affection stirred. That's why we sing and that's why we spend time together. We come to the church to be equipped to do the work of the Lord. This is your training. This is your practice. You are poured into so you can pour out of. We believe that iron sharpens iron. We believe in community and fellowship. I am better with you than without you. Man, I'm a confident man, but I am not half as strong without you. And I believe when my brothers are here with me and I spend time with them, I believe that I'm a better husband and father and Christian. We believe that iron sharpens iron. But all things, community and fellowship and equipping and all of this stuff it all hangs under the overarching umbrella of making much of him. And to make much of him means that to increase, we have to decrease. Today, and there's no number or statistic that I can give you. This is just me talking. I fully believe that the high majority of churches today are much more around people than they are God. I believe that the majority of churches that exist worldwide, at least the churches that I have seen at times in my walk in life, maybe you have a different walk than mine, have much more been around preferences and my desires and what I want to see happen and all of my human vision and thoughts, very little about the Lord. I want you to understand from your pastor and leaders here and others just how fun this has been. We have young families that, who are passionate to serve and we got a praise team and a youth team on fire and we have faithful giving and serving and missions. I've never been a part of anything like Eastview, but we are not above disaster. We are not above disaster. And when your preferences, when it becomes more about you, your preferences overshadow your worship, disaster will be invited to your church. Hear me, we all have desires and we all have ways that we want it to be done here and we all have certain music that we like and ways that you wish that I spoke. 
but when your preferences overshadow why we come together in the first place, the baton is bumbled. It will be dropped and we will fall and we will become this church of Ephesus who lost sight on why we gather. This has to be about God. Listen to Ephesians 5. Just listen to the words. For no one ever hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. There is no greater privilege on this earth than being a part of God's church. This is greater than the armed forces. This is greater than any ball team. This is greater than any school. This is greater than any family. This is greater than any fraternity. To be called to God's church means that you are called to salvation, which means you are part of his family. That is a wonderful privilege. Never allow us or anyone, your family, to make this about you or anything other than the Lord. One of the major reasons, and if you've been a part of this church, you've seen it. One of the main reasons that Eastview has grown in so many ways is because God has given us a new beginning. And like Nineveh and like Ephesus, we fell as a church, just like so many different churches who began with solid foundations and passionate beginnings, but somewhere in the midst of trying to decide how many songs to sing on Sunday and what time I can get you out from Mexican, the church fell. And now we have been given an opportunity to build a foundation, not for just us, but our future. When I first got to East, you guys, it was very individual focus. I had a mission. I had a vision. I had a goal. We had a plan and we had to move. And I thought a lot about my ministry, my job. But guess what, guys? As we get older, and we've had David and his family come, and we have Jacob and his family come, and Corn and his family come, and Ben, and, and all of these individuals, Cliff. And I start seeing all these little kids. It's become very much less about my ministry and the future ministry for our kids and grandkids. Man, we would just come together, and you know what we'd talk about? We'd talk about the now. We go, man, Brad, it's working, brother. Like people are coming and they're giving and they're serving. We're going to Haiti. We're building, we're, we're painting. Isn't this fun right now? But man, as we grow and we grow, we grow, I have a much more desire to sustain. Greg Milner and I didn't talk about sustaining. All we talked about was growing because we came from the beginning. And now I want this church to be strong for my child and my children's children. I want Cole to be a deacon here. I want Grant to teach Sunday school. Like that's what I want now. How do we achieve it? And we achieve it by not forgetting and remembering and preaching why this exists in the first space. Man, the church, your local church is to feed you, to equip you, to give you community. But all of those things hang under the umbrella of making much of him. This is all about Jesus. None of your preferences, leave your preferences at the door. This is not a floating, a drifting church. This is a family church. And to keep it that way, to sustain it that way, to continue to grow 
means that we do not forget how to swim. God's church is sacred ground. And I believe that the local church is the greatest glimpse of heaven that anyone will experience here on earth. Give me any other example. I've been a part of some great things, phenomenal things. Give me any other example in your life that mirrors God's local church. Anything, any team, any school, any friend group, any hunting club, give me anything that resembles the beautiful gift and nature of God's local church. It does not exist. I don't care how much you like your job, how awesome your family is. When you get a collective group of people from different walks of life with different last names, with different skin colors, and they're all singing to the same God, I want to protect that. I want to nourish that. I do not want that to fall. I don't want Grant to come in here and tell his kids, oh man, you should have seen Eastview when I was younger. I don't know what happened to it. I don't want that to happen. I want to protect it. I want to nourish it. I want to sustain it. And in this new beginning, we've been given a privilege and a responsibility to pour into future generations. Now, out of all the seven churches, I want you to read this with me. This is the one church that the Lord did not have anything to say against it. This is our guide in so many different ways as, as a small local body. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, which my Bible titles the faithful church. This is the church of Philadelphia and Listen to these seven, six to seven verses. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, God says, John, write these things. These things says he who is holy, he who is true. He who has the key of David, who opens up that no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. I know who you are, church. And see, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, but you have kept my word, and you have not denied my name. You've remembered, he says, you've remembered why you do this. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Man, I highlight verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole entire world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. For he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more." I will write on him the name of God and the name of my city of my God, the new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Guys, I fully believe that as much as an engaging pastor is needed as we desire great music and youth groups are wanted and new buildings are desired with new members that are prayed for and yearly mission trips that are exciting, 
Only keeping God first in the center will sustain a healthy church. That is it. Remind yourself of this. Teach your kids this. Speak this to other people of your church. When I was studying this this week, I had this thought that, you know, for the church of Ephesus, this was probably a message that was beneath them. As I said, we read the strengths, man. This church was a phenomenal church in so many different ways. This was probably something where they go, Hunter, I know why the church exists. I know what we're doing here. We know, look at all of the things that we're doing. We tell false teachers to leave. We know God's word. We labor and serve with the best of them. We're the total package church. I don't want your message on just why we come together. It's beneath. I'm digging deep, son. And they fail. They fail. In all of their diving to the bottom, they forgot how to swim. I grew up, Mike and I like to talk about this. I grew up diving and I love the water. I love the ocean and I love marine life and all that good stuff. There was one time that I was going to another country and I was going to dive my, the deepest I've ever dived before. And so I had to train for it. I had to get permission to do it. So I'd go to this pool that they taught you all these things and they taught you all these safety procedures and like how you do to get people's um, attention if something was to happen. How do you preserve air and all? how do you swim in that deep of low water where you can't see very well? And I knew that I was going to be diving very deep into the water for the first time and I was a little nervous about it. So I had to go for like four months to train for this. So I go to, I think it was the Bahamas at that time, and I dive. I'm like so far up, I can barely see the surface, but I'm doing it. I'm remembering everything, and I see this fish. I see this fish from a distance, and I go, okay, that's not a huge fish. It's not a shark, but it looks long, and the closer it got to me, the longer it got. And I was like, what is that fish there? And then I saw him open his mouth, and I said, oh, okay, that's a barracuda, okay? And that wasn't good news for me. I did not train on how to fight a barracuda. And if you know anything about barracudas, he was kind of circling around and then it got me in his sight and then shh, it's coming, right? And I go, okay, because he was a distance. I said, okay, Hunter, remember, and I'm going through all my training, all my thoughts. And then I just stalled and my head went to just swim. Just swim, man, like get out of there. And I didn't know how to. I knew all of the little fine print of all of the things that I needed to do to survive at the bottom depth of the ocean. But in that moment, I forgot how to move. I'm still here. He didn't kill me. But the truth to this illustration is that's a reality for a lot of us. For reality, in your marriage, you're doing a lot of the deep diving very, very well, but you've forgotten just how to love and walk with your spouse. For your kids, you are meeting all their needs and you do their spelling work with them and you take them to Disney and you're doing some things well, but you have forgotten the joy of just having children and pouring into them. The church, we can meet weekly. We can meet on that hill. We can save money for a new building. We can send people to Haiti and New York. We can do a lot of phenomenal things and quickly forget how to swim. Ephesus forgot how to swim. For the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about three simple truths to sustain what God has done here. God gave the church, God gave us the church, His Word, His Holy Spirit as a gift 
for us to nourish the bride that he has given us. I pray that we do this. I pray that we do this. As we pray here, I want you all to stand. We're going to pray for our church every single week specifically over these things. I'm a huge believer that everything starts with prayer. And if you're not praying for your church, we're missing the first little charge that we are called to do as members. I hope you come and I hope you sing and I hope you serve and I hope you give. But more than any of those things, I hope you pray for this body. I pray that as all churches fall and we see in the news, pastors fall and all of these things, people split in the nastiness that we see in God's church. I pray that we pray, God, protect us, nourish us, give us the gifts, forgive us, keep us with you first in our church. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we know that your church, when we look at Scripture, your church, your bride, your body is a blessing. We have made this so traditional and so legalistic. And this is so much about 60 minutes, one time a week that we have literally ran, sprinted from why the church exists. This is a community gathering of believers. This is a family dinner with you sitting at the head of the table. This is a gift. The church is meant to be beautiful. It is meant for us to come and us to worship and to serve and to pour into the community what you have poured into us. Lord, we pray as we've seen you do so many things here at this church, this church that I personally believe is a blessing and precious and I love and my wife and my children and these people, help us protect it. Help us go deep. Help us dive into Scripture. Help us understand the the mysteries of your Word and to grow closer to you in depths that we've never dared to go into. But Lord, help us never run from literally understanding how to basically swim here. Keep us with you first. That this is not about a pastor, that this is not about music, that this is not about money, that this is not about reputation, that this is not about youth. This is about you, what your son accomplished on the cross and our worship, our gathering is an outcry of our knowledge of what occurred for you and I. Lord, we thank you for Eastview. We thank you for what you've done here. What has happened here is not capable through man, but only through you. In your precious, in your holy name, the church says in harmony, amen.